Adjector Yag, day 18, and we're starting with Mitzvah Kuf Zayin, and that is the Mitzvah of the Shemina Mishcha. The Shemina Mishcha was a special oil that was made, the Torah gives us the ingredients, how it was made, and it was used to anoint the Kohenim Gdalim, to anoint kings, and to anoint all the Kohenim in the Beis HaMikdosh. The Pasuk says, Vasniso is Hashem in Mishchash Kodesh. You have to take the spices that the Torah mentions and as well as 12 lugim of oil and boil the spices up until they get absorbed into the oil. And this oil was then used as Mishchash Kodesh to anoint things which are meant to be consecrated. The Kainim, the Beis Mikdosh, like I said, the Kainim Gdolim, and some of the kings. The Gemara says that in a case where the Melucha, the royalty, passed down in the family from father to son, there was no need to anoint the son. But in a case where a new king was appointed, then he would also be anointed. The reason for the mitzvah says the Chinuch, Shiratza Kel Baruchu, Shinasi Pu'ura Ben Avshisenu, Biyem Shinara Nishanich Bechpel Avidase Akadosha, Teroi Banagdur Vashavach. Hashem wants to do an action to show that today we step up to a greatness is a sign of greatness, of shavach, of praise. And that was by anointing the person who had achieved that level with oil. It was a ceremony reserved for people of high office, of kings. They also used to keep it in the base of Middash to be available at all times. It's the way of people of wealth, of means, that they have everything they need waiting for them. They don't have to make it when the need arises and then they have to wait for it. And therefore here also, even though the Shem and the Mishcha wasn't used on a daily basis, the fact that it was available and ready to be used when needed was a sign of the wealth, so to speak, which we want to show in the best of English. This mitzvah only applies to the Isabes of Mikdash, and it's a mitzvah that Tibur as a whole to make a Shemana Mishra. Mitzvah Kofches, and that is not to use the Shemana Mishra for any other purpose. And the Prophet says, Abbasar Adam Yisach, you can't pour it and anoint another person with it. And uh, the Prophet says, if a person did so, Bemezid, it's Chayav Kores, and if he did a Bishagag, then he'd be Chayav to bring a Chatos. Like every time a person does a, a veil, which is Chayv Shagig, on a mitzvah, which is he did a bemez with Chayv Kares, we'd have to bring a chatos. The reason for the mitzvah, says the Chinuch, is also to show the greatness of the Besam Mikdash, and therefore it had to be something which was distinct, not meant to be used for common people, it was reserved only for kings, and therefore the Torah restrained other people from making use of it. And because people would have a tithe to use it because of its importance, therefore the Torah had to give such a strict penalty in order to prevent people doing that. Right. The Gemara tells us that a person would only be chayv karis if he poured a kazais size of oil on himself. And it's only the original Shemana Mishcha that Moshe made, whereas if a person wanted to make a replica Shemana Mishcha so, and pour that on himself, even though we'll see he'll be chayav on making such a mixture, he wouldn't be chayav on using it for himself. Gemara tells us there was a difference how they poured the oil on the fire of the king or of a kohen. The other one was anointed as a king and the other one to be a kohen. 
and also not every king was anointed only when he was a new king or there was the argument about who the king was meant to be so the appointment was shown by anointing the chosen king because his brother Adonia wanted to take the throne away from him so that's what David wanted to show his choice of Shlomo by anointing him with Shlomo this Esau will also apply both a man and woman but only in a time when there would be Shlomo Mishra and if, like as said before if a person is over amazed he's chayav chorus but shagik is chayav to bring a korban chatos mitzvah kuftes is not not to make a replica of the shemir amishcha as is a maskunta letah so you shouldn't make the same thing again and the same reason as before because you want to show the shemir amishcha as being distinct something which was only used or available to the base of mikdash right and no one did it was never remade the one that Moshe made in the midbar remained with Klai Yisrael the Gemara says more that a nice happened, that it never depleted. It remained the full share of 12 mil that was meant to be. This mitzvah also only applies in every time in place, both men and women. And this penalty is the same. A person who would make an exact replica of the Shemun HaMishcha, amazed, would be Chayev Kares, and Beshoigig would have to bring a Korban Chatos. Mitzvah Kofiud, and that is not to replicate the Keteris, which the Torah tells us how to make the Ketaris as well, which is brought on the Mizbech Apnim. And the Pasuk here also says, A person can't make a replica of the Ketaris. And the reason here too is like the Shemana Mishra, it was meant to be something unique, reserved only for use in the best of English. Right, here the Gemara tells us that it's only also to make the Ketaris if a person wants to make it to inhale the sense. If a person wants to make it in order to learn how to do it, or to make it in order to sell it to the tzibur to be used in the Basel English, then he wouldn't be chayv. Also, even though the Kataris was made once for the whole year, so it was made in very big quantities, if a person would make the same proportions of all the 11 spices of the Kataris in smaller quantities, so then he would also be chayv. The dinner of the Kataris is, the Gemara tells us, that if it wasn't made correctly, one left out one of the ingredients, or was the wrong amount, then it's Chayev Misa for bringing such Kataris into the Besa Megdash. Right, this mitzvah was applied both to men and women, and here also, if a person would make the Kataris to smell, the same one as made in the Besa Megdash, it'd be Chayev Kharis Bemezid, and if you did a Beshag, it'd be Chayev to bring a Korban Khatas. This is only making it. If a person smells the Kataris, he wouldn't be Chayev a punishment. Except, like any time, a person would be hired for using something of Hektesh, and therefore if he used uh, the Keturus of the Besamekdash to burn for himself, he would be hired on Me'ila, which is misappropriation of Besamekdash property. But if it had already been burnt in the Besamekdash, and the person smelt the odor wafting from the Mizbech, he wouldn't be hired on that. Mitzvah Kofi Adalaf, and that is not to eat or drink, to crave us of a desire, which means things which have been brought as sacrifices to our desire. And then this passage says, Beware that you, if you make, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land of Erez Canaan, and here's what's going to happen, he'll call you and you'll join him in eating from his sacrifices. The reason for the mitzvah, to distance us from our desire. And therefore anything which has been brought as a sacrifice to our desire is also something that Torah distances us from. This is the basis of the Isra of Yai Nesach, which means wine which had been poured as a libation to Avodah Zarah. The Torah asks Yai Nesach, 
to be used or to be drank. And any amount is also. It says, A person can't even have the smallest amount of something which has been consecrated for a desire. And if a person would use it or drink it, he get Marcus. Chazal extended this answer to all wine which are coming into contact or possibly come into contact with a guy, even if we don't know that he had used it for a desire. But when Chazal acid, the use of stamienum, they only acid drinking it. And uh, if a person would drink it, he would be and he would drink revis, which is a bigger quantity, he would be high Marcus Marcus which means the penalty for breaking a din Rabban. Less than a revis, so he wouldn't be punished by Rabban. But uh, there's still an issue not to get enough from it because it might have been used for other desire. This only applies to wine. And therefore other things which weren't as likely to be used for the desire, if we know that they have been used for the desire, they're also to use even water, which had been used in some kind of uh, idolatrous ceremony, would be asr, or salt, which aren't normally called food, but if they had been, been brought over the desire, they would be asr. And other foods, which you're not aware of them having used over the desire, they mean a stam, without knowledge, you don't have to be khayshish. You don't have to expect they've been used over the desire, and they'll be allowed to eat. Except for, obviously, tzlami, uh, which is some kind of statue, or image which we would imagine that if it had been made by idolaters, it had some spiritual significance to them and therefore had been made for the desire. Therefore, even if a person would find an abandoned statue, he wouldn't allow to take it for himself because it might still have been used for the desire. Unless we know that uh, the procedure through which a guy can battle, can render his other desire meaningless, in which case it loses its status as being used for the desire, and a Jew will be allowed to use it. When the Rabbanan forbade wine which had been touched by a non-Jew, because maybe he had used it or touched it with the Kavanah to bring it for Avayt Zara, so even the Rabban made forbidden by Hanar, but we will be allowed to charge the non-Jew for the value of the wine, because then the Hanar is only for the value, not for the object itself, in this case the wine which have been used by desire. And that's even if the wine belongs to a Jew, the action of the Dundee touching it would render it also, just like any person can do an action to make something belonging to his friend also. A further Khumru Khazal place in Yainasakh is that if even a little bit of Yainasakh would get mixed into a much greater quantity of kosher wine, it would render the whole amount also. And we don't say it's going to be bottled. There's no nullification of a desire. And even though we normally say that a person would be able to sell the whole amount except for the value of the isser inside it, or a person would be able to pour however much volume of isser into the Yamamelech, into the sea where it couldn't be used, and use the rest. When it comes to Yainasech, which means wine, which a guy has poured of a desire, then there's no such thing of vittel or we're fixing it up, and therefore the whole amount would be also. That's only when a person mixes the wine of a desire in other kosher wine. But if it would be separate containers, for example, one barrel of non-kosher wine with other barrels of kosher wine, so there isn't actual non-kosher wine mixed into the barrel of the kosher wine. It's just a question of which one is kosher, which one is not kosher. So then you can run the Takana we brought before, 
that person can sell all the barrels to the goyim, except for one of them, which will have, which you can't take money for, because one of them would be the one of Avodah which is also Bandar. So to, in a mixture, the normal halacha is that in a mixture, two things, and one of them is Osir, it only renders the entire mixture Osir if its taste is noticeable in the whole mixture. Whereas over here by Yainasech, or anything else used for Vodazara, that even if it's such a small amount that it wouldn't be tasted in the whole mixture, it still makes the whole container, the whole amount also. The only other example we find of something which is no, there's no beetle for, and therefore even a small amount in a much bigger quantity of heta would make a whole amount easier as Chomets and Pesach, according to some opinions, or according to some opinions, Kilaya uh, Kerem. Right, which, according to the Mishnah, would be 1 in 200. Which is, even though it's smaller than the amount the person could taste, it would still be Osir, unless you have 200 amounts of Hetzer, as it's towards or compared to the amount of Esser. So it was also to make money transporting of Odazara wine, Yonesach, or even to make money to smash barrels of Odazara wine, because at the end of the day, he wants the barrels to be there for him to profit by smashing them. This is all part of the general restriction that Shem wants to distance us from Avodah Zarah. The Gemara discusses what's, what's the din of a guy who touches the wine through the agency of something else, not with his own hands, or he moves it. And the Gemara discusses what, how well a person is to guard his wine and what circumstances to make sure that, we that we, a guy wouldn't touch it. Or in a place where Goyim and Jews are both present, or we worry that a guy would go out of his way to touch and ruin the wine. Same thing, how to use the kalim, which had held wine, which was made also by a guy, how to match the key that it can be used again for kosher wine. The Gemara discusses all these things in Mesech HaSavayadazar. Right, so to other things which are also also as related to items which the guy used for Avedazara, or even the restriction not to use things which are off-putting to a person and are called very Muslim. And this is all learned from the Basak of Shaketz to Shaktenu, that a person should render it repulsive to them, and the person should look at things of Avodazara also as being repulsive to them. The Salacha applies to men and ladies in any time and place where there's atoms which we use of Avodazara, and if a person does drink wine which is poured of Avodazara or eat something, to sacrifice our desire but may as well get Malchus. As long as it's the shear of a Kazayas or a Revis, we're talking about a liquid, which the Torah is Mechaya for. In other foods, and when it comes to desire, then one doesn't need the shear of a Kazayas or a Revis, like it would be by other foods. Even a Mashu, the smallest amount, a person would be Chayafu, according to the Shetah of the Chinuch. The basis in the Torah for this mitzvah, according to the Rambam, is the Pasuk in Dvarim, where it says in Hazir Yishtu Yain in Sichum that the Jewish people, in their sinfulness, will drink the wine libations of the Vedra And the Ramban learns it from the Pasuk here, which says, Hisham Beware, be careful not to come to eat from the sacrifice of the, of the non Jew. The Chinuch in this case, 
he points out himself that even though he normally follows the Rambam, he brings the source of the Ramban because the Rambam's Pasuk is telling us what's going to happen rather than being worded in the Nusach, in the language of something which is forbidden to do. Mitzvah Kofiud Beis, and that is the mitzvah of letting the land rest in Shemitah, which means you shouldn't do any work to harvest, plant, fertilize, grow crops during Shemitah. The Pasuk says, Bukharish, literally meaning specifically we're going to plowing and reaping from the land is also and Bishvis in the context is talking about the seventh year right and this mission is repeated a number of times in the Torah which tells us the Easter of farming the land in Shemitah and so before the reason for the mitzvah is to remind ourselves that Hashem is in charge of the world and therefore, we listen to his commands how to use his world. Mitzvah Gimel. That's the Israel not to eat milk and meat together. And the Torah repeats the language of Loita Vashel Gedi Bachalevi Mai. Don't cook a kid in its mother's milk. And this time the Torah isn't referring to the cooking, which has already been mentioned. Here it's referring to eating it together. And the reason the Torah said don't cook it together and didn't say simply don't eat it together. If, even though the Isra is referring to the eating, the reason is, is because the normal din of when the Torah says not to eat something, the Torah only forbids it in a case where a person would enjoy the way he ate it. If a person would eat in a way which he didn't enjoy, then he wouldn't be also. And here, even if he eats it in a way which he doesn't get enjoyment from, he still gets the Isra of eating Basel al-Khalif. Even, so it's not only the enjoyment, it's only the fact that it was eaten. And that's why the Torah doesn't phrase the Isser in terms of don't eat. Also, a person only gets Malchus Torah if he ate something which had been cooked together. And if he just ate meat and milk which had been prepared separately and he ate them at the same time, with the rice he wouldn't be high of Malchus for that. The Torah really writes a third time this pasuk of the Mai, and that is to forbid us getting hanar as well. It says the chinuch, therefore, that even though we have three psukim, exactly the same words, don't cook a kid in his mother's milk, and we learn from the three different dinim: one, don't cook it; the second, don't eat it; and the third, don't get any other hanar benefit from it either. It says the chinuch, nevertheless, if you're going to count the mitzvahs, we're only going to count two mitzvahs: the one for cooking, and the other one for eating and hanar. Because the issue of getting hanar from something is just an, within the category of don't eat it. It's just a lower level or another kind of pleasure. And therefore, like many times the Torah forbids us to eat something, and it also means one can't benefit or get hanar from it. And therefore, they include it in one lab. Because eating is just the primary or maybe the most physical form of hanar that a person can get from something. Right. Then he asks, if that's the case, why do we need to write the Pasuk three times? Why don't we just write it twice? Once for the issue of making it, cooking it, and second for the issue of eating and preparing it in the same Pasuk. And he explains that if the Torah that used the language, don't eat Pasuk B'Khalaf, then I would not need another Pasuk, because the, the Torah says don't eat something, it includes also the Gehanna from it. This is a Machlegis in the Gemara Mtsachim. He's going now according to the opinion that any time the Torah forbids eating, 
then the assumption is the Torah forbids Hanel also. And since over here the Torah was worded in the case, and the words don't cook, if that's the case, then we have to include eating it, the Isser to eat it, and also include the Isser to get Hanel from it. The reason, he says before he tries to explain our Pshat what he could, and that is that there's certain mixtures that Hashem doesn't want to have in the world, like he explained by Kilain, and, I, and there are things that pass to Basil Bacharov as well. Right, therefore the, the Isser Midrash of Basil Bacharov only applies to the meat of an animal with milk, and only a kosher animal. Not a non-kosher animal, not a wild animal, not a bird. And that's what the Torah Daf uses the Lashon Gedi, which is a domestic kosher animal, and says it three times to exclude non-kosher animals, wild animals and birds. And therefore, those things are muttered to cook with milk, or we have no from them. But the Chazal, and when we pass on the least, it's with Rabbanon that it would be also to eat a chicken or a wild animal with milk. As a way to cause a restri- uh, rest- certain barrier that people wouldn't come to eat milk and meat in the case of the Torah forbade it. Also, the Torah, in order to make a restriction between Basim and Bukhara, Chazal said, was not allowed to eat them on the same table. So a person shouldn't accidentally come to eat them together. One even has to wait um, in a number of hours, according to Ram, six hours. Well, in minimum, according to Balatosis, one hour after eating meat before eating milk. So learn that this restriction also applies to a chicken, which we, or any other bird, or to a wild animal. But it doesn't apply to fish, or to locusts, to the kosher locusts. And therefore, this because they're far enough removed from looking like the meat of an animal that a person is not going to make a mistake and therefore according to this a person would be allowed to eat a fish or locusts with milk that's not part of what Chazal came to forbid if milk does fall into meat or vice versa we would need 60 times the amount which fell in in order to battle the Isser if there wouldn't be 60 times then we learn in the Gemara the entire mixture becomes a compound of Basa Bukharam, which is Asr, and therefore, this entire mixture now will be a Dover Asr, and if that would fall into a third pot, we would need 60 times the whole mixture in order to battle it. According to the Shlachan Aruch, and according to the Lord of the Rishonim, including the Chinuch, this only applies to Basa Bukharam, because there the mixture becomes the new Isr. Whereas if a piece of non-kosher meat would fall into a pot, the Isr would just be the non-kosher meat, and therefore, if it would fall into a bigger pot, or into a third container, the amount of Rorish would need to battle Bishishim would only be the amount of the original Isser. As an aside, the Ramah brings opinions that argue, and that's how the Ashkenazim holds, and for other Isserim as well, there's going to be a principle that the first entire mixture becomes Osir, and will make everything else Osir, and it's 60 times against the whole mixture. The Torah only forbids the milk of a living animal, and therefore the milk which is in the udders of a cow which has been shechted is only asamid rabbanan, and the guys are how a person has to squeeze out the so to speak, pockets of milk to make sure that they're not going to cook them with meat. Same thing if a person shechts a calf and finds milk in its stomach, asamid rice that's mutter, and the reason is because number one, it's not the milk of a live animal. It's like we found inside a dead animal. And number two, the milk which has been digested and the stomach has already begun to 
work on is considered a parish, it's just a waste product, it doesn't end up milk anymore. And therefore, a bottle in this case will not go as another person use them. There's a machlokus if that only applies to milk which is already curdled or even milk which is still liquid. And it's uh, a machlokus to show them which way we hold. When it comes to the meat, it's only meat which people eat. If a person would uh, boil the leather of the animal, or its bones, or its horns, or its hooves, it'd be potter. And this mitzvah of not eating boss of applies in every person's time to both men and women. A person is over and eats a kazais of boss of which will be cooked together. Amazing, it's Malchus, but you can get hanaf from it. If you would get hanaf from it, you wouldn't get Malchus, because it doesn't have to have a mesa. And therefore, there's no love, there's no Malchus to love Shabbat mesa. And even if you would find a way that he could, get, that he could do an action, for example, he would rub on himself like a cream. So as a chilok, it could be he won't get milk in such a case, because that's not considered derech hanasai. It's not considered a normal way to get hanaf from eating milk, because it's not normally something which is used as an ointment for zedashim. The chilok's not sure about it, and therefore, so in this case, it could be that he gets hanaf in such a way from possible chilok, that should like a derech hanasai, he will also get milk. Even though that's not a normal way to get hanaf from it.